Cool. Well, you know, on um, Welcome to No Thanks But Yes, chill conversations with splendid people, freedom from addiction uh, podcast. Guests uh, have overcome a chaotic relationship with substances at some point in their life and are now, you know, thriving. And we talk about it a little bit. We start by introducing ourselves. So however you want to introduce yourself. Well, my name is Diana. Um, I have been sober now. Oh God, I've stopped counting, but I stopped. I got sober in August, 2019. So what is that? Three years now? Yeah. Um, and let's see. I, my profession is I'm an engineer. I build blockchain applications. So I work in the web three world. Um, I love that's my like that's my favorite thing to do. Like I tell people that I get paid for playing games and building games. I work at a game company. Um, so it's pretty fucking cool. Um, I don't feel like it's a job. Uh and my trade really, I, I'm an academic, weirdly. Um, prior to that, I was finishing my PhD at UCLA in gender studies, where I really looked in at um my particular history, my family's history with the Guatemalan genocide. <clears throat> They're all indigenous to Guatemala. And so, you know, it was a heart project for me to be able to like go back to that community and do that work. So there's those two pieces of me, like the engineer, the community researcher. Um, but I like to tell people I am just a student of life. Like, I know that sounds so cliche, but I love learning things like <clears throat> I'm that kind of person who will pick up something that random, you know, rollerblading or, you know, at one point I, I did pole dancing, you know, like, you know, I'll just pick up stuff. Um, and I like to prove to myself that I can do it. Mm. So, you know, becoming an engineer was, was very much that for me. Um, That's a big damn deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Maurizio, is that how you pronounce it? Mauricio. 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 Mauricio, mm -hmm. Diana Mauricio, and you go by D? Yeah, D is just easier for everyone. <laughs> so do you consider yourself a person in recovery? And uh, we all, always talk about what, what that means to us. And I also picked up another term uh, from your Instagram, green and sober. You know, mm -hmm. I'm familiar yeah. with Cali sober. I wrote an article about that when Demi Lovato brought that to everyone's attention. And everyone started clutching their pearls and <laughs> so I, so tell me um are you in recovery and what does recovery mean to you I think we should all say we're in recovery you know at first I had this really challenging relationship with that because I sat in AA rooms that's how I started getting sober I had a sponsor I did the program you know I walked the steps all of that and I realized that I just didn't identify with being an alcoholic right? Like it felt almost like too easy of a term to explain what was going on. When I really started to uncover, right? Alcohol has been used as a colonial tool since forever, right? To depress people, to, you know, keep them caged in many ways. And when I started to really do that kind of homework and realize, you know, what what it was about recovery that I was attaching myself to AA 
Um, and could I get it somewhere else, you know, because for me, I'm indigenous and I've grown up using plant medicine my entire life. So I had psilocybin mushrooms when I was 10, you know, like, and, and it was in ceremony and it was in very small dosages, right? Like led by a, by my grandmother, who's a shaman. Um, and so I've always grown up with a close relationship with medicine, plant medicine specifically. And when I was in these AA communities, they were just like, nothing that alters your mind. And, you know, technically like mushrooms do that in microdoses, definitely not. Right. Like that's not what's happening. It's not like I was like tripping balls while I was like, you know, sitting in an AA room, but I started to realize that like, I, as I started getting sober, I wanted to connect more with my indigenous roots and with my understanding of plant medicine and to use that as a vehicle, because at one point I lost that relationship, you know, like, and I think that that's really when I became truly an alcoholic, you know, when I lost that relationship to my indigenous understandings of plant medicine and just indigenous teachings, period, you know. So to me, my sobriety is very much attached to my indigeneity because when I was drinking and using drugs, I wasn't in tune with my indigeneity, which was my community, which was um, searching for ceremony, being present in ceremony, right? There was a couple years after college where I just really attached myself. And those were kind of like the worst years for me. Um, so yeah, I think, <laughs> I know this probably won't fit well with other people, but I think we're all in recovery. You know, we, we live in a really messed up world. And if you think you're okay, you know, even if you don't like drink or if you do drink and you think you're just fine, like, I think that's a big question that you should ask mm -hmm. yourself, you know, because we, I don't, if you're fine in this, in this state, like, I have questions for you. Like, how are you <laughs> fine? Right? Like, there's a war. There's like, I mean, to me personally, there's a constant war against people like me, queer, indigenous people. Like, there's literally a war happening. There is like global climate change. It's just, if you're okay and you're not in recovery, good for you, A plus, but like- I got questions. I'm wondering, I got questions, exactly. Um, that's, and that's when it comes- That's beautiful. Uh, I'm, reading, yeah. uh, I'm reading The Myth of Normal right now. And you know this concept of toxic environment, we are all swimming in, in, in an ultra toxic, some of us are more in more densely to toxic experiences than others. If yeah. you're okay, yeah, I want to know what's up. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's funny because like, it's almost like, you know, for example, when I started questioning my relationship with alcohol, it really was like asking a fish to question what water is mm. almost like it was like everything around me that was normal. You know, it was not, it wasn't like when I stopped drinking, it wasn't like I was getting like blacked out, ending up in ER rooms. Like that was not my relationship specifically, but I was drinking daily. I'd have a bottle, bottle and a half. I'm a five, two. I'm not that big. Like the fact that I could drink that much was pretty impressive. You know, impressive. Yeah. um, I had a good day. I drank. I had a bad day. I drank. I was bored. I drank, right. Like yeah. there was almost like just any reason. Um, but going back to that, like green and sober term that you were, we were talking about earlier. I, you know, for a while I said I was Cali sober because that was the the community that I found to be most accepting. Um, and then I found that like the sober curious community was even more accepting because there were more people like me who were like, 
you know, they, this, they were curious. They were like, I'm just starting to question my relationship with alcohol. I don't even know if I want to stop drinking, but maybe I want to modify. And that was my relationship. Like I knew I didn't want to drink anymore, but I kind of wanted to see, okay, can I maintain my relationship and introduce medicine like cannabis and introduce medicine like psilocybin? Like I struggle, I'm, I live with bipolar disorder and I struggle with waves of anxiety, manic depression, manic anxiety. And I was given hundreds of medications to take, you know, that I tried, I tried a bunch of them and they made me go into psychotic like episodes. They made me be so depressed. I couldn't get out of bed that, you know, truly at the end, I'm still on some of them, but like in comparison to how many they wanted me to be on, um, I have found that cannabis and psilocybin have aided me really, you know, and I've been able to be like a functioning member of society you know because when I would take these other medications I'd just be asleep all day or not here you know um and plant medicine doesn't do that to me it allows me to be part of my daily life and makes me want to live you know like there's joy in that um yeah yeah I, I I too am in sustained recovery from a recalcitrant bipolar disorder <clears throat> many medications that um, yeah, I'm gratified that I got the diagnosis and that it, it helped me to understand that I had mental disorders on board that helped drive my relationship with substances and people and, and, um, but the medications on board, uh, it just, it threw a blanket over my fire. I gained so much weight and, uh, and it just seemed like, you know, the system was kind of okay with that. And I remember questioning one doc, I was like, doc, this is like the, the fifth med you've put me on. He says, that's, that's normal. That's, that's the average. And I'm like five, five, five big fucking pills. And, and anyway, yeah. So um, I, I think the way you put it uh, is brilliant. Um, I have a friend here in Raleigh in, in North Carolina, rather um, he's uh, he's with the Lumbee tribe of North Carolina, K a little turtle. And he's on, this show as well. And uh, you mentioned how sobriety uh, as a tool of colonialism. And he he taught me this expression, sobriety is sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Right on. I felt that, Yes, uh, you know, to a much lesser that. degree. Than I got, felt. I got like the chink, the, the little, like, you know, when your hair stands up when you yeah. said that. Yeah. 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 And one of the comment and one of the descriptors on your Instagram is some, decolonizing sobriety yeah I mean you know it's a little bit of like what I was mentioning earlier um it's remembering at the end of the day it is how we build these relationships and why we've had to build these relationships with alcohol and substances right and I think ultimately for me you know as someone who was facing racism it still is racism sexism homophobia I was trying to run away from these issues. I was trying to numb myself to be able to live in this world, you know? And I turned to substances, right? I turned to them and I almost would like tell myself that I was like self-medicating, you know? Um, And so I realized, you know, once I entered into these spaces, um, into AA spaces, that there was a very small, like, definition to to sobriety 
And so I just really started to question that where I was like, is this the only way to be sober? You know, and like you said, when I started doing my research, I started realizing that like, no, it's not like there's Cali sober, there's so much room. And so for me, decolonizing sobriety is ultimately undoing all of that understanding we have of what it means to be sober or what it means to look sober and to figure it out for ourselves. You know, I think that to say that we all had it together and that it was simple to let go of alcohol and that there's only one way to do that is, is just wrong. You know, like I was lucky enough that the program and, you know, helped me get there. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people who didn't make it through the program because it wasn't the right thing for them. And there wasn't a lot of other major support systems like the program. So they were in and out of the program for years, still are. Um, And so, yeah, to me, it's like, I think that there is another way of doing it. Um, And I think that there's no right way of doing it, right? I think ultimately it's a really personal journey and there's a lot of personal growth that you have to do. And I think part of that is is uncovering what sobriety means for you. The prevailing definition or perception of sobriety was very much a colonizer-centric orientation to this world. I mean, you just read read the literature itself and it's hard to identify yeah. with it at all. Even, even myself as a, a straight white cis male, it it's uh you know uh, poverty and trauma and stuff like that it seemed like those dudes didn't have any of that going on it was just like (laughs) or even mental illness they don't they don't talk about it right like now they have more space and they have they call it what is it dual diagnosis i think it's called um and they have aa rooms for that which is awesome right there's a little bit more understanding but the text doesn't change Right. And I think ultimately, you know, I don't know if you've ever read Audre Lorde, but um, the tool, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. It's like a very famous um, quote that she is known for, essentially meaning we cannot use the same tools that, you know, these colonial white normative, you know, standards, tool sets that have been set to undo what they have done to our to us right so um for me it was really that ultimately that's what let me lead the program where I was like okay if you they treated it like a bible and I was like if there is going to be no room no wiggle room in this then I need to go somewhere where I can actually undo this and build you know and it's not like I'm going to go write a new AA book or anything like that but it's just for me, it was digitally. I've met so many people yeah. on Instagram, you know, like, and I tell my wife that where I was like, I never thought I would have 6,000 followers. It's like not a big deal, but it's like 6,000 people who just awesome. decided they want to, they want to follow me, you know? Right. And it's not like I'm, I have my waves of like posting content and waves of not and, and people stick around. Um, and really the reason I stick around is because I get to jump on there and I'm very intentional about who I follow and I get to just scroll and see these beautiful stories of people like living their best lives of stories that sound really similar or familiar to mine. Mm. Um, And so it's like almost like an AA room, you know, like quietly in some way. And then there's also spaces. Yeah, exactly. Like I've, I've gone to a couple like um, spaces held by just influencers and, and people who are like, gone through the program or who haven't so 
yeah, people like you who I've met, you know, so to me, it's like that really digitally has been my sober community, weirdly. Yeah, no, I, I am a digital citizen at work, at play and in recovery as well. Um, my mutual aid space is, is harm reduction works meetings. Uh, that's my jam. Mm. Every Monday, I, awesome. I hit the HRW meeting and uh, those are my people. I can so relate to, um, I was 20 years uh, in and out of uh, using those tools um, that were not appropriate for me because of the, the, my type of experience. It was too much. It was too simple of a solution for my complex problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so grateful that I stayed alive long enough to eventually after 20 years had the capacity to do the mental gymnastics to say, well, if this is the only space, let me make it my space, you know, let me, <laughs> let me, you know, work from within. And then after 10 years of that, I said, it, it, it's too much work. It's, it's no, it, it doesn't feel right. It's not, it doesn't bring me joy. And, and let me go find my people. <laughs> you are living with your wife. You, I was reading about you running, you know, no, no longer wanting to be tokenized and, and told what to do. And you ran off, not ran off, but you went off with your partner and you started something new, moved somewhere new. I mean, tell us what's going on with you now yeah and um <laughs> you know so i think it's funny because i think i think about it and i'm like sobriety allowed me to do this right um i would have not had the discipline or the <laughs> mental space to be able to do everything that i had to do to be where i am today you know and there was just a point where my wife and i realized like you know we had just We'd been doing business together um, for a while and not like anything big, but just consulting work and decided to quit our jobs and find financial stability and financial freedom together. You know, we were like, we're going to hustle and we're going to figure it out. And, you know, we did that for a while. We did our, our business and really had, it's called rooted resolutions. And um, we went hard for a while and we're, just seeing and helping our own community as well as like doing a lot of major corporations and enterprises and it got to a point where we were like okay whew, it's a lot to like run your own business own your own thing do everything and just the two of us um so we decided to take a little bit of a break with that you know but that time really allowed us to build financial stability and ultimately that's what allowed us to we decided, okay, I'm done with my PhD. I have to move out because we were living at like UCLA graduate housing. It was almost like a forced thing. They were like, you've graduated already. Like you've got to leave, dude. Like, and I was like, I know, I know, I know. But we were paying, it was insane. I was living in West LA. So you can only imagine the prices were insane. Um, so then we looked at each other and we were like, okay, we have this money. We don't really have to be anywhere, you know, cause our job is like digitally. And so we decided where let's go somewhere else. And initially it just started as a, let's stay in Mexico for two months in San Felipe, mm -hmm. which is like Southern, like Baja. And then we stayed for two months, we survived and we were like, Hey, we can do this. Um, 
And, you know, I, I have a lot of community here already with like the Kumeya folks, um, which is the indigenous community in Baja California. And so it was really easy to fit in. You know, um, my, my friends did a really amazing job of like bringing me into this place. So I don't feel like, you know, I also speak Spanish fluently. So it's like, I don't feel out of place. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we were able to rent this beautiful home here in, in Ensenada and literally all our stuff is still in storage. Um, we just <laughs> had, went and took some stuff out and started like bringing some stuff here for like baby. Um, but it really came out of that, came out of like looking at each other and being like, look, we want to start a family at some point. We want to build something, you know, and that might not mean this thing that like everyone knows about, but something that we can hand over, you know, something that we can be proud of, something that we can do to support our community, you know, and and in Rooted, we ended up realizing like, yeah, we sold a lot of things to, to other people, but we ended up doing a lot of free work for our friends yeah. who were like, oh shit, you can rewrite my resume. And, you know, and I was like, I'm not going to charge you. You're my friend. Like, I'm going to rewrite your resume. And they got better jobs. And I was like, yeah. that's what makes me happy, you know? Rooted. Um, yeah. Dig it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, that was really the big jump. It was an easy jump to make just because there were so many things right. that were, like, lining up for us to just get out, you know? Yeah. And moving here has, like, my mental health is just different, you know? Yeah. Like... Um, it's far away from chaos. I wake up to the sounds of waves and sometimes boats hor like horns, you know, like, um, I, you know, my animals are happy. My wife is happy. Um, you know, and so in general, I just feel like it was a good move for us. Um, we'll see if we ever come back to the States. <laughs> I'm in the middle we'll of getting see. my dual. Yeah, I'm in the middle of getting my dual citizenship with Guatemala because wow. uh, ultimately that's our, our goal to, to move there because all of my family is still there. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, we've been slowly buying little pieces of property um, and, I, you know, supporting our community to buying back their land. Um, yeah. So it's been, that's our goal at the end, little farm in Guatemala. But, oh, you know, for now, here. <laughs> Guatemala is beautiful. For sure. And I am, I, I think I am at my healthiest and happiest when I'm in Mexico too. My wife and I go <laughs> to the other side of the the country in uh, Yucatan. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. But, well, um, what do you do for fun? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of uh, yeah. overlapping of work and fun and family and fun. Yeah. But, you know, what, what do you do uh, thriving in recovery that's... Uh, yeah that's another thing right that i've had to like really get back in tune with one of the first things was like what are my hobbies because when you you know i don't know for you but for me when i was drinking and doing like heavy drugs like i was not doing anything more than that like i was pretty much doing that you know like and it, all my activities at some point even dancing included that and so I've been, you know, I love to dance. So my wife and I in my recovery have made it a thing to go out dancing with friends and, you know, and, and it's funny because I, it does, I don't, it doesn't bother me to be around other people who are drinking and, and, and anything like that. 
but I've been able to develop this new relationship to going outside and going to go dancing. And like, it's not this thing of like fear and social anxiety. Like, it's like, nah, I'm going to get on that dance floor. I'm going to do my thing. And then in two hours, I'm going to be exhausted and I'm going to go home, you know, eat some cookies and go to bed, like call it. And it's going to be awesome. So I've found that part of my hobbies have been redefining, right? These previous things that I like to do, but doing them sober and finding the, the like happiness in it again. Cause I remember at one point it was like, well, if there wasn't alcohol, what was the point of going out, you know, or dancing? And like, I wouldn't get on the dance floor unless I was like drunk, you know, like, um, so I was like, no, that's not, I genuinely enjoy dancing. So I was like, we're going to do this thing. You know, my wife and I sometimes turn on YouTube videos and like learn how to do like, uh, you know, partner dance dances. Um, sometimes we teach each other TikTok video dances. Like it's, it's just part of like moving back and getting into the rhythm of things. I was also seeing how, how your wife is, is your ally in this mm -hmm. um, zero proof lifestyle that you're doing. I think that's lovely. That's brilliant. Yeah, it, it's funny. She actually stopped drinking before I did. Before so, you did. yeah, like a solid, like she had already, she was never as much of a drinker as I was like um, in general. Like when we met, um, I definitely drank a lot more than she did, yeah. um, but she started slowing down. I did not. So that really helped because having somebody who doesn't drink around you and like being that person who drinks a lot, then you start really questioning, you know, but she actually had this like terrible allergic reaction to alcohol. Um, and we were actually at my cousin's funeral um, because he died of pancreatitis cancer. Um, also due to alcoholism and drinking, I mean, and heavy drug use and smoking and, you know, all of that. And she actually got really sick that day because we ended up going out and getting really like drunk and um, ended up in a hospital. And that day she said, I am never drinking again. And she never drank again. Wow. And I looked at her and I was like, <laughs> okay, we'll see how long this will last, you know, like, and she literally held her foot down. She was like, I am allergic to it. Like that, that's what this doctor, you know, finally diagnosed her with. Cause she was getting like, weird symptoms you know but not enough to be like oh is it the alcohol because it didn't happen every time right, right and it was just so powerful to see her be like nope this thing is bad for me like done yeah. and so when I started to question that okay this thing is bad for me I can do this too and it was easy because oh. she wasn't drinking anymore you know um and she's just an amazing <laughs> ally like she you know has never questioned me when it comes to like plant medicine um, she's never been the person that's like, oh, but are you sure that's really sober? Or, you know, if anything, she's been like, oh, like, tell me about that. What does that mean? Like, you know, shares content with me. So I'm just, yeah, like, yeah. I think, and I'm sure you know this, like, without a, a partner, like, I mean, sure, if you're single, whatever, but like, if you are in a, in a partnered relationship, like, it's just so important to have an ally. Mm. um and a strong one at that right like Deep. she you know she always makes sure that I feel comfortable in spaces and like you know we'll we'll let people know if they need to know ahead of time like you know it's just been an amazing ally so I, I really know that I couldn't have done it without her 
Um, and that she really was like the catalyst, honestly, like there were a little catalyst happening already, you know, like I was meeting sober people and I met this one 19 year old who was like, I'm sober. And I was like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, I haven't had like anything for two years. And she was in the program. And I was like, how does this little 19 year old have her shit together? Like, you know, like, and slowly started like that, but having someone so powerfully show me okay, this is a boundary. My body does not, you know, cause my body was telling me I didn't like it, but I wasn't listening, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and just to see somebody be able to do that and um, put themselves first, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I've, uh, I've worked with families uh, for a good number of years and there was, there's the inevitable question. The holidays are coming around. <clears throat> Should we make it alcohol free? And I'm like, duh. <laughs> it's the easiest fucking thing you can do to be an ally and to create a culture mm -hmm. of, of um, you know, of health and, and that this has, doesn't have to be a part of your life. And, exactly. and to have, to have a partner do that is, uh, that's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Man. We always end with, um, you know, a final message from you. Um, hopefully a lot of ears will, will be blessed by this what's what's your final message question everything is what i tell i think it would be my ultimate message to people um question your relationship especially to substances um even if you think you have it all figured out in the program uh whatever you know think you're a mod like can modify your drinking question it and constantly stay in a humble relationship because i think that if you can be honest with yourself about where you're at and uh why you're searching for these you know searching for something in these substances um at the end of the day you're in the right path right you're 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 gonna get to that place of understanding you're gonna get to that place where it finally clicks when you're like oh this is what i need to do you know um i think my message is don't let anyone shame you in your process either like if you are sober, if you are curious, if you are sober on the weekends only, like whatever, like do not let anyone shame you. Um, I am so impressed with this new generation of Gen Zers who are just like, fuck alcohol, fuck drugs. Um, I look up to that. And I think reminding folks that like, there's so much more to, uh, to the world than this one substance. And it might feel like the end of the world when you have to change that relationship, but I promise the world is so much bigger and you've been missing out. <laughs> um, I think that's it, you know, like just, I want people to feel supported and like proud and um, happy that they're questioning, that they're curious, that they're wondering, you know, that they're asking themselves these hard questions. Um, I think shame is ultimately what brings a lot of us to drinking and to the you know bottom of the bottle. And it's never gonna help. Like it's just not going to. I don't think I've ever seen it help, even in AA programs. Like shame is not the tool to get somebody to get sober. Um yeah. Shame is not the tool. I love it. Question everything. And that's that's a healthy and humble relationship with questioning everything and being teachable, but Fuck those shamers, man. Mm -hmm. Nah, fam. And and throwing out a 
throwing out some props to a, a generation that has uh, not gotten a lot of respect. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I, thank you so much for stopping by. <laughs> thank you. I'm super excited.